today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. But you, beloved, but you, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in other words, go back to the main thing. Go back to the foundation of your faith. He says how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual persons who they cause divisions, not having the Spirit. In other words, they are in the congregation of saints, but they are not believers. When in doubt, always go back to the foundations of your faith. Today, Pastor David reminds you that there will be false teachers and people who will add to the gospel. They try to confuse and lead people astray. Christ wants you to remember where you came from. Jesus descended from heaven to die on the cross for you because he loves you. He was resurrected and sits at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for you. It's simple. God loves you, Jesus died for you, and the Holy Spirit guides you. Now here's Pastor David in the books of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and Jude as he begins his message, Apostate or Real. One of the things that uh, most Bible scholars believe is that Peter, 2 Peter, was written just a very short time, just a, a year or so, maybe two, before the book of Jude was written. A lot of things that Peter talks about Jude says it also, and even though Jude is a much shorter book, it's one chapter, only 25 verses long, we're going to find out that he actually expands on a few of the things that Peter shared in his second letter. Uh, Who is this guy Jude? It is believed, and I believe rightly so, that he was actually uh, the half-brother of the Lord Jesus, again, a son of Joseph and Mary. He, he goes uh, by Judas or, or Jude, again, the same name. Uh, we see that as he is here uh, in the very beginning, he says, uh, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. And that's the individual that wrote the book of James, not James, the original apostle. Remember, he was martyred early on in the book of Acts. Uh, but uh, this was, again, a brother of the Lord Jesus. And if you remember, Remember, as we went through the gospel accounts, none of the brothers of Jesus believed that he was Messiah. As a matter of fact, they all thought he was nuts, uh, that he was beside himself. And yet, after the resurrection, they came to a saving knowledge of Christ and the impact in their, in their lives. We see it here in the Word of God. James, his brother, actually became a leader within the church. We see him very active there in the Jerusalem church. It's believed that Jude probably stayed in the area of Jerusalem too at the early church. As Jude writes here, Jude is writing either right around 
around the time of the, uh, the, the Roman overthrow and the destruction of the temple, or just barely before it. He's writing to the church, as I said, around 69 or so uh, A.D., uh, the destruction of the temple and the overthrow of Israel was 70 A.D. So in 69 A.D., if you do the math real quick, you realize that's only 36 years or so from the time that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. The church is not quite a generation old, and yet they're having extremely huge problems with false teachers and apostasy coming into the church, people being drawn away from the church, because of these false teachers. And that's what Jude just really hits on hard and heavy in his writings. In verse 1, he says, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. And beloved, that, that threefold connection, that triune connection, again, as he brings it there, speaks of the solidity of our relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are called, if you are sanctified, beloved, I believe that you are preserved by Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. And again, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Verse 3, he says, beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, now stop right there. He, in other words, he, he had an idea, he had a thought. I, I just want to write to you, man, about the joy of our salvation together, the greatness of the salvation that's ours, the strength, the, the beauty, all that's related to our salvation. He said, but as I started to do that, he says, I found it necessary actually to write to you, exhorting you, to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men. They turn the grace of our God into lewdness, and they deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And again, he is telling them, look, you guys, I know as believers, those that are true believers, you are called, you are sanctified, again, by God the Father, you are preserved in Jesus Christ. But certain men have crept in among you, and their destruction was already marked out long ago. God already knew this was going to happen. And isn't that the amazing thing, guys? The fact of, of God's work in our life, and we pray about things, but God is already active and involved, and He is working. God already knew that these were coming. Their condemnation was already marked out long ago. They bring into the church, uh, turning the grace of God into lewdness, denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, but I want to remind you, you see all this happening. You need to understand God checks those that are against him. God brings, again, judgment and discipline against those that are against him. And then he brings out in verse 5 about the children of Israel as they came out of Egypt, and yet they were destroyed. Many were destroyed because they did not believe. The angels who did not keep their proper domain. Again, these are the things that Peter was talking about. And again, many think that goes back to Genesis chapter 6, where the uh, sons of God came together with the daughters of men 
trying to figure out what exactly does that mean. Does that mean uh, demonic possession, fallen angels taking the possession of men's lives, and again, the whole situation there. But there were angels that went, came out of their proper domain. He is reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. And then he also, like Peter, goes into Sodom and Gomorrah through all of that, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. He says, likewise, speaking of these certain men, these dreamers, they defile, this is verse 8, they defile the flesh, they reject authority, they speak evil of dignitaries. Then he brings in this uh, story in verse 9, and yet Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. That saying actually comes from a, what they call a pseudo-epigraphical book. Uh, it's called The Assumption of Moses. It was in circulation during the day of the early uh, pre-New Testament times uh, and intertestament times. It's not a biblical book. It's not one that was brought and canonized, but it is one that through tradition was accepted a lot by the Jews. Uh, not saying that the story is not true, but the book itself as a whole was not brought into the canon. What he's staying, stating there is that Michael, even as an archangel, when it came time to figure out, okay, what are we going to do with the body of Moses? Remember, Moses was buried by God. We don't know as he went up to the mountain. And so that battle that came there. But Michael was sharp enough to say, even to Satan, God or the Lord rebuke you. Now, I hear way too many believers come up against Satan himself and declaring accusations and charges. Beloved, you're, I believe biblically what we ought to be doing is saying, may God come against you. May the Lord come against you. May the Lord hold him in bay. Number one, I don't even want to talk to the devil or to Satan himself. And so I want to say, Lord, you bind that strong man. Lord, you hold him at bay. Lord, you change this around. I don't have the strength about it, but apparently these guys, as they're coming into the church, they're, again, reject authority, speaking evil of dignitaries, and then Jude brings that as an example. Uh, Again, verse 10, they speak evil of what they do not know, and whatever they know, naturally, like brute beast in these things, they corrupt themselves. And he says, woe to them, they've gone the way of Cain. Uh, and again, Cain, who slew his own brother out of jealousy, out of, out of greed. Here's the way you can look at it. Cain wanted to do church his way. Think about that for a moment. He wanted to do church his way. He wanted to worship God his way, where God said, no, this is the way you worship me. This is the way the sacrifice would be. But Cain didn't do that. Cain, again, and then out of jealousy, he kills his brother. They, they've run greedily in the area of Balaam for profit. And remember, we spoke about this real quick last week in Second Peter. Balaam was a prophet for a hire. He would pretty well prophesy anything uh, you want him to as long as you paid him enough. But then the Lord would not let him prophesy against Israel. As a matter of fact, every time he spoke, uh, he spoke blessing on Israel. But he was a guy that was willing to pretty much say anything for the right price. Serving for material gain. They perished in the rebellion of Korah 
And again, standing uh, as, as core of the situation was, he and those others, they stood against God's appointed leadership, Moses. And they said, hey, why? You're not the only one that God speaks to. God speaks to us too. And again, God brought judgment upon them. So Jude is warning all these, these certain men that are creeping in, this idea of jealousy, uh, serving for material gains, uh, going against those that are appointed as God's leader, pride, all of these things. And Jude is warning the church about it. And he says, these are spots in your love feast while they feast with you even without fear. They're serving only themselves. They're clouds without water. They're carried about by winds. Late autumn trees, no fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. The raging waves of the sea, they're foaming up their own shame. They're wandering stars. The, the word there is actually the word we get for asteroids, for whom the, is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. You see, God has already brought judgment on these false teachers. He's already brought judgment on those that would, again, lead the church astray. It hasn't come about, but at that time, when it comes that time, God will again fulfill that judgment against it. Verse 14, now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also saying, behold, the Lord comes with 10,000s of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. When you look at that, how many times did it say ungodly real quick? Four different times in, in my version. They're ungodly, they're ungodly, they're ungodly, they are ungodly. Now again, we look at that and say, okay, I, I didn't find that in the book of Genesis. Uh, again, there's another non-canical book that was going around at that time, during the time in between the uh, Testaments during the early first century church called the book of Enoch. It was actually written about uh, uh, somewhere around... 110 BC, so 110 years it had been around, a book that was quoted and used, but it was not canonized as fully being, again, authoritative. But again, Jude thought enough about it that he at least quoted from it. So he's using these things to speak about that God is not ignorant of these false teachers. And even today, I look at, I look at Christianity today. I look at Christian, uh, in quotes, TV uh, and, and a lot of times, some of these guys fall right into here. Again, profits for gain. I need to get a new jet. I need to get this. I need to do that. If you just give this or give that. And again, we see false doctrine going everywhere. You are a God yourself. Inside you, you are little gods. And that's some of the false teachings that's going on within Christian television right now. And massive crusades around this world that are, again, that are drawing people into these lies and these false doctrines. Jude goes on, because I could go on on that for a while. Let me get back to Jude. He says that these are grumblers. They're complainers. They're walking around uh, to their own lust. They, their mouth, great swelling words. They flatter people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, but you, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in other words, go back to the main thing. Go back to the foundation of your faith. 
He says how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual persons who they cause divisions not having the spirit. In other words, they are in the congregation of saints, but they are not believers. They may sound like a believer. They may have the vocabulary of a believer, but they don't have the spirit. And without the spirit of God, they are none of his. They profess, but yet they do not possess. And there is a world of difference there, church. But then he comes again, but you, but you. In other words, he's saying, these guys are going to destruction, but you, you have been called, you who have been sanctified, you who have been preserved, but you, beloved, building up yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and on some Have compassion, but make a distinction. So in other words, some are simply led astray. Some are driving others astray. We can have compassion on those that are being led astray, but we don't have compassion on those that are leading others astray. He says, on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by flesh, by the flesh. So in other words, they've been caught up in these lies, they've been caught up in these false teachings, but yet in our compassion we're able to come to them and say, listen, that's not true. That is not true. This is what the Word of God says. There are so many close to Christianity. Close. They'll use Scripture here. They'll use Scripture there but they do not maintain the truth of the whole scripture. And because of that, people literally are being led into hell because they're not believing Jesus Christ, the only one to salvation. He says, man, save them with fear. Pull them literally out of the fire. Are there going to be some that are in heaven that smell like smoke? Absolutely. Because they've been saved, again, just just at the very end, at the very end. And then he closes with this. And this is, for me, this is one of the most beautiful doxologies, I think, within the whole Word of God. And I love this. He says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Just a great praise as he's warning the church of all these things. But he says, you know what? I know that my God is able. Guys, our God is able to keep us. But we've got to be seeking after him and not the things of this world. I wanted to get Jude in first before we go over to First John. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. This is the old man John. This is the apostle John. This is the, the apostle that uh, in, in, in his gospel account referred to himself as the apostle whom Jesus loved. He was uh, no doubt the youngest of the apostles 
during that time. He was the one that was uh, put out on uh, the Isle of Patmos, banished on the Isle of Patmos. While he was there, he wrote the book of Revelation. Earlier on, he had written the gospel. Then he wrote the book of Revelation. Now we've got these three letters from him. By the time these three letters are written, John is a very old man. He's the only one of the apostles that we know of that died a natural death. All the rest of them, again, were martyred. John lived probably on into his 90s. He was truly an elder of the church. And he was one of those guys that, man, the church looked up to uh, because of all that he had gone through for the faith, and again, just the wisdom that God had given to him uh, and, and, and the ministry that he had. The whole purpose of the writing of, of John, he actually lays it out for us. There's, there's four different areas where he says, I write to you, but I want, you to, I want us to start with the last one first. Go to chapter 5 of First John and down in verse 13. Because I believe that this sets the pattern for the rest of the book. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. He says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. He wanted the church to have a confident assurance of their faith. It's not a situation where I go all through life, are you saved? Well, I hope I am. I hope I am. Man, if I persevere long enough, maybe I will be. I just don't know. Uh, Man, I keep working toward it. No, he wants the church to know. No, you who believe, I write these things that you might know that you believe, that you have that confident assurance. But in order to have that confident assurance, that's what the rest of that book, the earlier portion of this book, is all about. And you know what? Nowhere in here, I've looked, I've searched for it, I tried to find it. There's nowhere in 1 John where it says, you can have the confident assurance of your salvation if you prayed that prayer or signed that card. Guys, that's not in there. That is not our confident assurance of our salvation. The confident assurance of the salvation of any is the work of God within our lives and the impact or the effect of that then in our lives. If I can say that I'm saved and yet it does not impact our lives, I'm deceiving myself. As a matter of fact, and the truth is not in me, John tells me. And over and over, he, he uh, again, warns the church, guys, it's not about saying magic words or having some big emotional surge, and then that's it. It's got to be something that changes lives. Look what he says here, uh, chapter 1, verse 4. In these things we write to you, that your joy might be full. We're going to come back and look at that real quick. Down in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you might not sin. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. We'll come back and look at that one in a little bit too. Still in chapter 2, look over in verse 26. In verse 26, he says, These things I have written to you concerning those who try 
to deceive you. But let's go on, verse 27. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. You don't need that any teach you. But at the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. Just as it is taught you, you will abide in him. That's all we have time to share today, but we're so glad you've joined us. Isn't the Bible a fascinating book to read? There's incredible historical events, crazy scenarios, and a variety of people to keep you intrigued along the way. We hope you'll continue to join us here on The Open Word as Pastor David takes you through the Bible. If what you heard today sparked your interest and you'd like to know more about faith and even who God really is, please contact us. We'd love to talk more with you and share some even more incredible news about your future and the one who can change it, Jesus. Give us a call at 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If social media is a part of your life, you can connect with us there too. Come like our Facebook page and keep up to date with what's happening at The Open Word and Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. You'll find a link to our website, theopenword.com. Would you like to hear more messages from this series? Here's Pastor David to tell you how. Thanks, Chris. You know, any time you spend in God's Word is valuable. And I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. I know busy schedules can make that hard, but being able to listen to it could just change all that. All of the messages I've shared from the Bible here on The Open Word, they're available to you to listen to online at theopenword.com. Feel free to download them and even share them with anyone you think would benefit. That website again is theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for tuning in to The Open Word. Make us more and more.